Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, did you come expecting today? If you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 10, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that your word never returns void, but it, it goes to accomplish what it's been sent to do. And so we're thankful and appreciative that you didn't leave us without instructions, but you gave us your word that we can live thereby and have life. So give me words to speak as you would have me explain. Help us all to understand, and Father, most of all, how to put these things into practice. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We will be talking about the life of God today. The life of God. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said it like this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we should have life and have an abundance of it. When you have an abundance of something, that means you don't have enough, not just enough for yourself, but there is enough that you can share with a lot of other people because you can't handle it all yourself. That's what abundance means. That's what Jesus came to do. In John 3.16, you know, a lot of people think that Jesus came so that we could go to heaven. And uh, a lot of us can quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't come just so we could go to heaven. He came to give us eternal life. And so that's what we want to talk about today, the life that Jesus came to give us. In John chapter 6, Jesus said a lot about life in the book of John. But in John chapter 6 and verse 63, a few scriptures here to, to open with, he said it like this. He said, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. The spirit gives life. And then he says, the word is spirit and life. The amount of life in our life depends on the amount of word and the amount of spirit that we allow in our life. You will know life, the God kind of life I'm talking about, to the extent that you know God and to the extent that you know His Word. So if you want an extra dose of the God kind of life, then we need to look at how to get an extra dose of the Word and how to get an extra dose of the Spirit of God. Now in John chapter 14, we will be spending some time in the book of John today. Jesus is at the Last Supper. You know, we heard Mark Hankins last night up in, where was it, D Douglas? And he says, you know, at the end of that supper, Jesus tells everybody, everybody on this side of the table for the picture. <laughs> at least I learned something last night. <laughs> in verse 23, this is, this is at the Last Supper, and then Jesus answers, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You know, when we get born again, it's not just that we embrace a different belief system. 
something remarkably happens when we get born again. God moves into us. He makes, you know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I find a lot of people in life that are looking externally for answers. They might be running over to a new church to try to find some better answers over here, or we might look at, you know, who's got, who's got something going today so we can run over there, or, or you know, we're, we're frustrated in life sometimes and we're looking for an answer out there somewhere. Well, it's good to get some answers from some other people every now and then, but the truth is that God moved into us. You know, I, I get a little frustrated with some believers sometimes. You know, a lot of people wake up in the morning and they start praying, Lord, you be with me today. I've done that myself, but I quit doing that a long time ago. Because if you're asking God to be with you, then you don't believe that God is in you. When Jesus left in Matthew 28 at that last verse, and said, he said, And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. And we haven't reached the end of the age yet, so that means he is still with us. Now, it's fully possible for a believer to lose the awareness that God is with me, and that's why people wake up in the morning saying, Lord, please be with me today. But it doesn't make it any more true that he's not with us just because we've lost the awareness of it. It doesn't come by prayer. He said, the, the word gives life. And the word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, if that really is the truth that he said, then there is no use me praying, please, Lord, be with me, when he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, life comes by knowing the truth. So God moved into us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some of you didn't hear what I said. I said, God moved into us. I said, the very one who created the heavens and the earth is not just out there somewhere. He is here in the midst of me, in the midst of you. So when life gets rough, you don't have to look out there somewhere for an answer because God is in me, and greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Whatever situation you're facing, the greater one is on the inside. In him we live and move and have our being, Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's it mean to be reconciled? That means you used to be friends, then became enemies, and then something happened, so the, the friendship was restored again to what it used to be. Adam and Eve, they were friends with God in the garden. They talked to God in the cool of the day. There was no sin. God reconciled us to himself, because we weren't able to do it ourselves, so God did it for us. That is, in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Well, if God doesn't count our trespasses against us, that means I live as if sin never existed. 
My relationship with God today is the same relationship that Adam had before he sinned, before sin came into the world. That's why God lives in me, because my body became a temple for the Holy Ghost. In verse 21, he says it like this, For our sake he made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means that there was an exchange of identity. Jesus became sin. We had become sinners. But on the cross, Jesus became sin. Him who was righteous, in him was no sin found. But yet he became sin so that his righteousness, I could become the righteousness of God. There was an exchange of identity. So the life that is in Christ... The righteousness that is in Christ became the life and the righteousness that is now in me because Christ is in me. So you live a different kind of life. But you won't live this different kind of life without making yourself aware of each and every day. Every single day I wake up, I wake up and I say, Lord, Thank you that you're in me today. Thank you that you're with me today. Thank you that you're for me today. Makes it easier to walk through a day. Because whatever challenge is there, it's just an opportunity for me to show that God is real in this life. You know, I laugh at impossibilities. Because impossibilities are the playground of the believer. Nothing is impossible to the one who believes. I'm a believer. That's me. So when there is something that's impossible, we're going into Congo. We went in there in, in February. And in the eastern side of Congo, the infrastructure is, is, is beyond how, what I can explain with words. I could show you some video clips, and even then it, it wouldn't do justice. It's a country that's the size of from Florida to New York, from the Atlantic to the Mississippi, with zero roads in the whole country. And 80 million people. Just our minds can't quite fathom what's going on there. And they won't give me a visa. You see, God's on the inside of me. And the one who's on the inside is bigger than the government official sitting on the other side of the table. Now, I've learned to listen. You know, those, the sons of God, they, they are led by the Spirit of God. Now, there's a few more lessons than everything we can get into on a Sunday morning. But I know in my heart we're going in. So I keep saying what's in my heart. See, Caleb and Joshua, they brought word back to Moses as it was in their heart. Everybody else perished, but Joshua and Caleb, they made it because they gave word back as it was in their heart. And so in my heart, I know we're going into Congo, and yeah, it's a dangerous area, and there's things you have to be careful about and so forth. But the greater one is in me. And when he says to go in, and I'm going in, and I'm not so concerned about the dangers because I know that the, the one who is in me is greater than the dangers that are there. From Thanksgiving, Monday after Thanksgiving, we're working every single day. I'm working on something regarding a visa to get in there. We're going in at the end of January. And um, 
the passport shows up by FedEx a couple hours before I head to the airport, flying out of Tulsa. It was delayed overnight coming out of Memphis, so I have to call up FedEx and find the driver and meet him in town and get the passport. I open that passport and there's no visa in there. Uh-oh, what do you do now? You look to the inside. The answer's not out there somewhere. The answer is in me. And on the inside, I know I'm going to Congo. I get on the plane. I fly over to Nairobi. We did a few things in Nairobi and still don't have a visa. And then we head over to the border and we get to the border to Congo. It's, it's a two-day journey from Nairobi. It looks like that on the map, but it's, it's an ordeal to get there. So we sit there at the border for four or five hours sitting there in that office. And you go into some of those offices, and there, there's just turmoil in the whole atmosphere usually in those offices. Not when I show up. See, I've never been someplace the presence of God isn't. He shows up with me. He is in me. It's not possible for me to be someplace where God isn't, because I always bring him. I don't boot him out before I go someplace. Now, some people walk in the awareness of it, and some people are just oblivious to what's really going on on the inside. That's the difference. So I'm sitting there in the office, and we're four people, two from Kenya, and we're two Americans. And um, finally, we get to the big boss in there, and he's trying to act all, you know, important and, and all that. And we're, we're sitting in there, and, and it's all in French, and we're going through interpreters and all kinds of stuff going on, and... He holds up the four passports, and then he holds up the two Kenyan passports and said, these are okay, I can, I can understand that, you know. And holds up the two American passports, and he goes, uh-uh, no. And I'm working with the interpreter who, who knows this guy. has been working with him many times, and finally uh, the guy who's trying to help us to get through, he, I can tell he's, he's starting to give up. I ain't giving up. God told me to go to Congo, so I ain't giving up. I don't care what they say. I'm going in because God in me is bigger. So he's trying to bring that atmosphere of turmoil into that room and he, him being real important and all that. And I just looked at the inside. And he gives the final word, says, no. On the inside, I got a joy in my heart. So I sit there and smile. I've been working on this for two months and I've spent thousands of dollars just to get to this point. I didn't spend all that money for him to say no. So I'm sitting there smiling. So I'm responding to God on the inside. When I sit there and smile, sitting there in peace, finally says, all right, we'll let you in. They locked up the passport there for three days, and we walked in without a passport. Well, you travel internationally, it's good to have your passport with you, but some of these places you're in. God moved into the inside. I don't care what the situation is. I've got life in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 17. It talks about not sleeping around. But he who is joined to the Lord. And then it says, you know, not, not sleep around. But, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. One spirit with the Lord. There is more that happens at the new birth than us just taking hold of a different way of thinking. You become one spirit with the Lord. 
in Colossians chapter 1, hallelujah. See, if you wake up every morning and feed yourself on stuff like this versus Facebook, you'll get a little further in life. Or instead of turning on the news, you turn on the real news of God's word. Because that's where life is found. In verse 27, Colossians 1, talks about the mystery of Christ. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in me. You see, in the Old Testament, you had to go find a priest. You had to go find somebody anointed with the Spirit of God. You had to run to the temple once a year and so forth and so on. You had to look externally. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Because you're always looking externally in the Old Testament. But see, in the New Testament, the mystery is Christ in me. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and He is in me. Chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Christ was not just a man. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now watch this in verse 10. And you have been filled in him. In other words, the fullness of deity dwells in me. No wonder I'm not scared. The worst thing you can do to me is just send me home and I'll be walking the streets of gold. You know, life's not that scary. What what are you going to do? I'm with God. So you live with a different perspective. When you live with the God kind of perspective, you end up with some God adventures in this earth. So he talks about, verse 12, that we were buried with him in baptism. We were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. That same power that God raised Christ with from the dead is the same power that's available to us. Why Paul is praying in Ephesians 1 that they will have a spirit of revelation and wisdom and understanding into these things because that same power, the greatest display of power in the universe was when Christ was raised from the dead. And that's the same power that's not out there somewhere. It's in me. Glory. Now, see, it don't just work by hearing about it on Sunday morning. You've got to think about th- these things because it's so powerful. You can't just comprehend this with a little peanut brain. But you meditate on this for a little while. And rather than spending time on Facebook, you meditate on this kind of stuff, and something happens on the inside. Like uranium-238 going off in there. Race with him. And you who are dead in your trespasses, verse 13, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. See, that's the life that is in us. The same resurrection power that Christ was raised with from the dead. I was made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many of them? Well, I'm living as if sin never existed. 
So you have got boldness with God. He is the high priest. When I need help in time of need, I run boldly to the throne of grace because I know he took care of everything. So he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. He set it aside and he nailed it to the cross. And then he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is a lot of terminology from the Roman Empire here. When they would conquer a king, they would try to conquer and take that king alive. They would shackle him, put out his eyes, and then they would line up in the streets of Rome and bring that, that, that captured king would be brought into Rome. No more eyes, shackled. And then the Roman citizens would line the streets and they would laugh and they would spit and they would do all kinds of things to this old king. That's what he's talking about here. You put them to open shame by triumphing over them. You disarm the rulers and authorities. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. The life of God is in me. The fullness of Christ, the life of Christ is in us. Now in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter is preaching to the very first non-Jews that ever heard the gospel. Cornelius' household. And he says... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now we read that and we think about the ministry of Christ and so forth, and we should, and that's good. But remember, Christ is in me. I am one spirit with him. Over in Luke chapter 4. Jesus announces his ministry. Hallelujah. Resurrection power is at work in us. Yeah, I know it's a different way of thinking. But it's the truth of the word of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus is reading from Isaiah. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's why Christ was sent, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the oppressed, because the life that is in Christ is made available when he shows up. Now, we read thinking about Christ when we read all this. But in John chapter 17 and verse 16. Jesus is leaving and he's given a final speech to the disciples here in John 14, 15, 16, 17. It's just before he goes to the cross. And now here he's praying and talking about the disciples. And he says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I'm a different being from people of this world. I have the life of God in me. The create, creating power of God is in me. See, when I, when I live over there, travel over to Kenya, 
I can go to an ATM machine or, you know, the resources I spend are based on the resources I have here in the States. In other words, when I travel to Kenya, I'm still an American. And I live in Kenya based on my American resources. Well, we are not of the world just as Jesus is not of the world. See, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God who are born from above. God is my father. Heaven is my resource place. And so I live on this earth as a foreigner based on the resources of heaven and the life of God that is in me. Hallelujah. Missionaries over there, they ask, what's your secret? Well, the life is in the word and the spirit is life. So increase the dosage if you want more of it. But then he said in verse 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Then verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The disciples were sent exactly like Jesus was sent. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him and I am sent the same way that Christ was sent. I'm in his place. We are in his place on this earth. He didn't think everybody would get it so he repeats it in chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 21, after the resurrection. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he talks about not only them, but all who would believe. The Great Commission. Go into all the world. Lay hands on the sick. Why? Because the life of God is in me. So I can do that. The anointing of God is on me. See, in the morning, when, when I read Luke chapter 4, when, after I found out that I have been sent like Jesus was sent, when I read Luke chapter 4 verse 18, I don't no longer read with just the mindset that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. No, I'm sent the same way. So I read like this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's not just a history lesson. This is real life for today. Because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And you see, when I think like this, Arthritis, deaf ears, they open up because I am aware that the creating power of God is on the inside of me. Glory. Now, in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. 
and talking about living water in verse 14. It says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now in John chapter 7, you see there, there are different kinds of source of water, and different, different flow levels, if you will. In John 7, at the last day of the feast, in verse 38, he said it like this, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out from where? From the heart, from the inside. Because the life of God is there, so the rivers of living water is flowing out from the inside. Now in John chapter 4, he talks about a well of water, welling up to eternal life, talking about the new birth. But in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 38, he talks about rivers of living water. Then he says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit not been given. Now, how many here you have a well at your house? Anybody? Several of you. Yeah. That well typically has enough water for your own family and if you wanted to, typically there's enough water you can give some to the neighbor. Now, when I grew up, I grew up by the river. It was a salmon river in Norway. Beautiful place. But anyways, that water there was, not, it was super abundant. It was too much for what we could use as a family. You understand the difference? You can have a well of water springing up to eternal life. That's wonderful. And you can have enough for your family and you can give some to your neighbors. But when you live by the river, you can drink as much of that water as you want, but most of it still goes in the ocean and you just can't handle all of it. And that he talks about the Spirit. Now in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the day of Pentecost came. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, being filled with the Spirit, how do you know when you're full? Well, you're going to overflow. Something's going to happen. If nothing happening, you're not full. It's real simple. When a glass is overflowing with water, it gets wet around the glass too. There's a difference between having a little bit of water in that glass and having it overflowing. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not just about speaking in tongues. In chapter 1, verse 8, it said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, tongues is just the initial thing that happens, but it's not just about the tongues. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit and getting an extra dose of it. As some say, well, that's because the disciples were saved on the day of Pentecost. Well, wait now a minute. In Acts chapter 4, See, Peter and John and the, and, and the apostles and the 120 in the upper room, they were there in, in Acts chapter 2. And, you know, they were locked in. They were afraid and all that. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, it wasn't long. They were on the streets of Jerusalem, and then a couple thousand people got saved that day. Because something happens when you get full of the Holy Spirit. Can't be afraid at the same time. Now, in chapter 4, 
The man at the gate, beautiful, had been, had been healed. The crippled man was walking around and there put before the Sanhedrin, the very same council that had condemned Jesus to death just a couple months before. And Jesus, uh, Peter was out in the courtyard and denied Jesus three times because he was afraid of that Sanhedrin council. And now Peter is saying, filled with the Holy Spirit, rulers of the people and elders, if we are an example today concerning a good deed under a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, and that he preaches Jesus to them in the middle of the Sanhedrin where he was denying Jesus just a few months before and it's because the Holy Spirit had come upon him in the meantime. So there was a power and a boldness that came upon him. But in Acts chapter 4 then, later, they have a prayer meeting as they come out of prison and report to the chief, to the, to, the, to, the, to the other disciples what had happened. But at the end of that prayer meeting, we're now down in chapter 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, Luke. Luke is, you know, he's writing the book of Acts. I've got a proofreading. I've got an editorial correction for you to make. Did you forget that these were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2? And how come you're recording that they're filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4? Because there is such a thing as a refill. There is such a thing as a continual filling. You know, I tell people all the time, I'd rather hang around with a Baptist that never was filled with the Holy Spirit to begin with, but is sincere in the things of God, than a Pentecostal was filled 20 years ago and never got a refill. Yeah, I did say that. Why do we need refills? Because we leak. How do you leak? By reading Facebook? In other words, we, we are in the world. We're not of the world. But if we allow the world around us to influence us, we're going to be leaking a little bit. And if you keep on leaking without getting a refill, there won't be a whole lot much left for you to give to other people after a while. Sure, we're still saved, all right? It's not about being saved. If, if that's all it is, we should have gone to heaven the moment we got saved. God didn't sign it like that. He designed it for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and give of the life that's on the inside of us. Glory. Let's stand up together. It's refill time for some of us. And it's time for some of us to be filled for the first time. In Acts chapter 19... Here, Paul came to Ephesus for the first time. That church grew so much, it's estimated it grew to 100,000 members. No PA system. And he, he found some disciples. What does it mean when he found some disciples? I think it means he found some disciples. It's real simple. Don't complicate it. They're believers. They're disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That was Paul's first question. Because he knows when you're born again, you still need to be filled with the power. So he lay hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And yet Paul writes the Ephesians after he's in prison years later. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, 22, or, or 18, or thereabout, he said, he said, do not be drunk with wine, where's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Hey, Paul, I've got an editorial correction for you to make. Don't you remember the story in Acts chapter 19 when you were there in Ephesus for the first time? They were filled with the Spirit. The Ephesian church was already filled with the Spirit, and yet he writes to them in Ephesians chapter 5, be filled with the Spirit. 
If you look at the Greek, it says, it could, you could translate like this, but be ye continually filled with the Spirit. Remain filled with the Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.